0: so the other night uh friday night actually sarah and i watched that movie 65
1: oh with the with adam driver
0: yeah um I, yeah i hated I it. it wasn't very good <laughs> no yeah. um yeah, i was worried about that it's like it's like the people who made the movie like the concept of dinosaurs but they didn't like actual dinosaurs Um, because none of the dinosaurs looked like
1: dinosaurs, if that makes sense. Did they look like, like alien? Like what was, what was up with them? Uh, they just
0: looked, they just looked weird. They, they just, they, I mean, Mm. they weren't any, they weren't any actual species. They were just like generic monster reptiles. Brutal. Um, there is this one thing that the subtitles called a Tyrannosaur, but it was running on all fours, which we know Tyrannosaurs didn't do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's goofy as hell. Yeah, it's super goofy. Well, um, I watched Mission Impossible 7 in the theaters. The newest one? The newest one. Let me tell you, that shit is crazy. Yeah. It wasn't perfect. But there is a moment where Tom Cruise is flying through the sky, and there's—it's no CG. He's just doing that. He's just in—he's just flying through the fucking sky next to this mountain. It's—it's it's wild, Jesus, uh, Christ. and seeing that on the big screen. I mean, I—I I was losing my shit. Like I was like slapping Sydney's arm. I was like, "He really fucking did that." <laughs> He did that for us. Did she you see that?
0: Uh, did you see the the Palm Clemente interview that I yes. sent you?
1: Yes, that shit was that so was funny. That was fucking
0: funny. That was fucking She's funny. She's also
1: so good in the movie. She's so really? good. She's a very scary villain. Yeah. Hell yeah. She plays crazy very well. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know um, my favorite part of that video. Um yeah. is when Simon Pegg comes in and he sees the, the, the reporter and he says, um Hello and welcome. My name is Thorin George. My name is Luke Job. And this is Modular. The podcast where we take you through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the fifth edition of Dungeons Dragons. <laughs> That's right, Luke. These are the pre-written stories made
0: by the folks who made up D&D. We didn't write them, but we're here to run them for you. And why would we do that? Well, Luke, maybe you're a DM who's thinking about running a particular campaign, and you want to get a feel for how it plays out. Maybe you're a player who has already been in this particular campaign, and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you're watching a bad movie, and instead of paying attention to the movie, you actually want to listen to a D&D podcast
1: instead. And you chose this one, and we really appreciate it. Amen. But you should be warned. Each of our episodes will take on a part of these pre-run adventures. That means there are major spoilers for the key plot points of each story running. And right now, we are running Sleeping Dragon's Wake. So if you don't want spoilers, you should leave. Now. And... There's one more warning we should offer them. That's right, Thorin. Modular is not a podcast for children. It contains explicit language as well as adult themes like sex, alcohol, drug use, violence, and tyrannosaurs running on all fours. So please be aware <laughs> of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. Now, without further ado, welcome to Modular. And our session one of Sleeping Dragon's
2: Wake. It's a modular pod.
1: Bradley, it has been a month since Inverna left you in Leylon. The city has grown around you, while you, its chief protector, have withered within. The half-finished palisade of Leylon will soon make a complete semicircle on the northeast side of town defended by an earthen rampart. To the southwest, new settlers attempt to build docks for barges made to cross the marsh and meet merchant ships in the sea. Outside of town, the settlers' gra- campground becomes ever smaller as new buildings made of wood or stone with thatched roofs are erected in Leylon's muddy streets. At the center of it all, the new House of Thalavar, a cylindrical wizard tower, rises like a beacon, four times the height of every other building. Some lots still lie in ruins, but the settlers work quickly, clearing and reconstructing. Your past month has been split up into three notable ten days. The first of which was spent hopelessly searching for Inverna, praying to every god you knew that you could find her and convince her to come back and help you with this gargantuan task at hand. You knew you couldn't stop the cults of Talos and Merkel alone, but you also realized after dead end after dead end that you wouldn't be able to find Inverna anywhere. The next 10 days were purpose-driven. You channeled all of your anger and all of your heartache into the hunt for leads. Perhaps the hostage-barred Tarbon Tool could be found somewhere along the coast, and yet you can't seem to find him. It's possible you could find the source of Merkel's undead minions within the swamp, and yet you have failed to find any fruitful leads on that front either. These continuous failures have led us here, the past ten days, the bottle and the stage. Your drinking has caught the attention of townsfolk, the council, the passerbys, but who cares? You saved this lousy town once, who says you have to do it again? Who says Lord Never Ember's job needs to be completed? Or completed by you? The whiskey makes you happy and singing is earning you good coin. You're not a trained investigator or a soldier. You're a trained bard. This is what makes you happy. This is what you love. And yet, as you perform for a crowd of over fifty in Leylon's new Umber Hulk tavern, the room feels empty.
2: With a tattered grudge, makes mistakes just to find the rush. rush that gets him through the day, through the pain that he can't convey. wants to scream, but he cannot shout. Opens his mouth, and not a sound comes out. He's wearing shades in the pouring rain. He strokes a metaphor for pain. He's wearing shades in the pouring rain. He strokes a metaphor for pain. Baby, it's not your fault. You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with a foot in the grave And behave in a way that makes you grateful I've been in a rut, baby, it's not your fault You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with a foot in the grave Behave in a way that makes you grateful I've been in a rut I said I've been in a rut I've been in a rut at times I can shatter the mirror out of fear that the memories won't disappear but I'm aware that the potential is there I'm a deformity that's normal as a case the fear Pocket in the bank of a plan, having in and out of in a pinnacle, admitted to the lazy depositions, victimizing everything I mastered, A am faster than a catastrophe I built into the vision, classic, I need a hat trick, I'm feeling frantic, romances. I'm poor man's attic. took a bath in the tears of all my panoramic images, I'm in the middle of the scrimmages that a particularly new tactic, baby it's not your fault. You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with a foot in the grave and behave in a way that makes you grateful I've been in a rut Baby, it's not your fault You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with a foot in the grave Behave in a way that makes you grateful I've been in a rut your fault. You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with the foot in the grave and behave in a way that makes you grateful. I've been in a run, baby. It's not your fault. You just need to take some time and find a blind man talking with the foot in the grave. Behave in a way that makes you grateful. I've been in a run.
1: Bradley, the crowd is losing their minds for you. Uh, just people going wild, screaming your name, people love you and they love your music uh, and they're, you know, cheering for an encore. You've already played your set and you're a little buzzed. You get up. You walk off the stage. What are you going to do?
0: I'm going to get another drink.
1: You walk over to the counter and um, the bartender a non-binary, a human, uh, who you know well, because you're living in this tavern now, Ollie and Mulwin looks at you, and they say, the usual?
0: Yeah, Ollie, the usual.
1: They pour you a double shot of whiskey, slide it to you, and... It'll cost you a silver piece.
0: Okay. Cool. Let me see how much money I have. Oh, and you can... In the
1: past... So you've been playing steadily for the past 10 days, this being the 10th day. Uh Uh-huh. You can add... 200 gold. Oh, shit. You're making 20 gold a night on average. Hell yeah. You stay for free at the Umber Hulk. Oh, sorry. It's the Umber Hulk's Shell Inn. Uh, not just the Umber Hulk Inn. It's not an inn for Umber Hulks. So don't worry, kids. But, um, <laughs> you stay for free. You don't eat and drink for free.
0: We get, we get an Umber Hulk every once in a while really confused about why he's not
1: allowed in. Yeah. But- Turn around. Get that shell out of here. Get the shell out of here. <laughs> people are kind of crowding you at the bar talking to you there's some younger folks asking for autographs you hear one dude who's very clearly not from town say dude you're you're the guy that killed cryovain the dragon Will will you sign this and he just like gives you a handkerchief and some Ink and a little, a little quill. Um, I've already taken the
0: shot to the face, and I'm feeling pretty good. I, uh, I don't. I'm not really understanding what this kid wants, so I just take the handkerchief and I just blow my nose and be like, "Hey, thanks for it, man. I really needed that."
1: Uh. Sick, I got Bradley Copper Snot, And he like, holds it up. People are losing their minds. You kind of stumble your way through this crowd. Some people are still trying to harass you. Lots of people are just kind of moseying on. You can tell a few people are annoyed that the music is has died down. You make your way upstairs to where the rooms are. As you're walking towards your room... You know, you have room number 7. It's on the left-hand side. Room number 8 across from you. The door opens and you see the naked silhouette of Chad Moneysworth. And he says, Bradley, I heard you playing downstairs. What a a nice song to listen to while, you know, being in the throes of lovemaking. And he kind of extends his arm, stretches, leans against the doorway, and behind him in the Light of the room, just candlelight, lighting his room decently well. You see the half-naked figure of Elsa sitting on his bed. And you kind of catch her, her soft features and her her short haircut uh, and, and her little, what what are usually pigtails at the bar, just now all unfurled, down-curled the way you've seen before. And she kind of makes eye contact with you. And then begins to stride towards the door. Not wearing much other than some, I guess, undergarments on her lower half.
0: Elsa, the girl from... What's it called? Glass Town, Fandolin.
1: Yeah. Wow, you don't remember her very well.
0: <laughs> Thorin doesn't remember. Bradley does.
1: <laughs> Bradley, do you do anything? Um, do you say anything? I.
0: I walk over. To the door. And I punch Chad in the face.
1: Okay. Alright, go ahead and uh, roll the hit. Alright,
0: I get a plus eight. God damn, I rolled a natural one! The first roll of the fucking campaign, and it's a natural goddamn one.
1: You bring your arm back, and you punch into the wall, and just let out a cry as you take one point of damage. Your hand just crunches into the wall. Cool. Chad goes, (laughs) Anger issues much? Jeez! And you look up. Tears are welling in your eyes. Elsa is kind of looking down at you. She just places her hand on Chad's chest and says, Come back to bed, love. And pulls him back into the room. And the door closes.
0: Why the fuck is she here? Doesn't she live in Fandolin?
1: She does live in Fandolin. She can get here within a few days' ride.
0: I, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to give, uh, Ollie, however much gold it costs for a full bottle of fucking whiskey. And I'm going to take that, uh, outside and I'm going to sit on the docks and I'm just going to fucking down
1: the whole bottle. Okay. Go ahead and lose. We'll say three gold, three gold. Cool. Very cool.
0: Uh, yeah. As you... And I'm just gonna sob into the night, very
1: loud, very drunkenly. You're sitting there on the dock. You're sobbing drunkenly, drinking your bottle. And you hear footsteps approaching you. I'd say after about 10 minutes of this. Do <laughs> you look up?
0: That's my sobbing. Um, sure.
1: Turning, you see Valdi Estepar approaching you. And she's got a little cup of her own. She sits down next to you and she just says, "I'm sorry, Bradley. I truly am. You know, if I if I hadn't turned Inverner away, she she'd likely still be here. But I had to throw my wants into the wind for duty's sake. I felt it was an inappropriate relationship, even though." I knew I wanted her. It was a dumb, dumb, foolish move. So I I apologize to you because I'm a a part of the reason your friend is gone.
0: You're not why she's gone. She's selfish. She doesn't care about anyone but herself and... Fuck, Inverna. That's what I have to say. And I throw the empty bottle into the water.
1: Valdi nods. She puts her hand on your shoulder and says, I I understand why you would feel that way, friend. But I I don't believe the words you're telling me.
0: I mean, I don't... (laughs) I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, they're the truth, for sure. For certain, they're the truth.
1: She squeezes your shoulder and says, I, I hope you're okay, Bradley.
0: Yeah, I'm fine. not I look at, and I kind of like lean back and fall onto
1: the ground. Oh, God. If you, uh, you need to play Disco Elysium. You're giving really? you're giving main character of Disco Elysium vibes right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anybody hasn't played, it, it's a great fucking game. Absolutely. Especially if you like tabletop role playing games, it is such a good game. Anyway, she just kind of you feel her hands underneath one of your arms, and she just kind of rolls you to your side. And she says, Don't go choking on your own vomit, Bradley. We need you around here. Sure. She she pats your arm and walks off. As you're laying there, You fall asleep for the briefest amount of time. It's still night when you're woken up again to the feel of some firm hands shaking you. You open your eyes and you see... This strange, bluish face, wide eyes, white, wispy beard of Zephyrus. <laughs> he says, Oh, Bradley! Oh.
0: What?
2: What are I, you doing I out d-
0: here? D- sleeping, why in my room? What are you doing?
1: You have a room. Yeah, I'm yes. in it right now, aren't I? Where am I? No, no, this is the dock. This is where the boats go choo-choo all the way home. This isn't for you, sweet baby boy.
0: I must have fallen asleep stargazing.
1: Sorry. Mm, I, I do love the stars and love to be close to them. He he, kind of puts his his hand under your chin and kind of raises your your face up. And he, he's he's squinting at you, looking in your eyes. Are you drunk, Bradley? No, I th- I think you're the one who's drunk.
0: You're moving around all over the place. Look at you.
1: He looks at you and he says, "No, no, my beard just does that." And he kind of twirls it, and it does move like a cloud, <laughs> and then it wisps away and regrows. He says, Bradley, I've got something to tell you, important stuff, okay, mate, matey,
0: okay, pal? Okay, what is it? Are you sober? Can you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine, perfectly fine. He
1: claps his hands and you sober up immediately. Jesus. All right, how about now there, buster?
0: Yes, what? Oh, my God, how did you do that? I'm a magic motherfucker.
1: Now, listen, there's a lot to be discussed and not much time. I've got to leave. I'm leaving Leilon. Okay? I'm not coming back. There's big but shit out the there. You'll run the curio shop. Yeah, no, the curio shop will be run by Aubrey. Don't worry. Who? You know that Aubrey was the skeleton in the, in oh. the peculiarity <laughs> shop. He'll He'll run it, it'll be fine. You can still buy curios whenever you need. Now listen, I want you to take these things. First and foremost he hands you a ring of protection.
0: Okay. Let me uh
1: He's like fumbling in a bag. In the bag. Okay. It looks like a crown royal bag. He's like fumbling and he just keeps reaching. Okay. He like pulls pulls a lamp out of it, throws it in the in the marsh. It's just like pulling random <laughs> shit out. There's an umbrella. He throws that, too.
0: This shit is
1: just too much. I can't take it all. All Alright, you added ring of protection. I did. He says, I'm worried about you, baby Bradley. I don't want you getting stabbed out there or nothing, so uh, hold on to that. Now listen, I do care about you, and I sort of care about this town, kind of. So I I don't want these (laughs) cults to menace it, but at the same time, I've just got bigger fucking fish to fry. Now take this too, and he he unfurls a piece of paper. He says, wait, nope, that's my Costco receipt. He crumples it back up, pulls (laughs) out a different one. This is what you need. He gives you a scroll of fly.
0: Okay, hey, I already have a ring of protection. Oh.
1: He gave you another one.
0: Okay, cool. Um,
1: A scroll of fly? What level is that? Uh, I think fly is a a third but maybe a fourth level I think it's a third level spell okay he then Okay. he then kind of cracks his neck and he says I'm I'm never going to see you again okay pal but I, I want you to be okay and I want you to do well and I know you're fucking depressed right now and I don't mean to be another person leaving you but I'm gonna be and that's just the way it is okay okay sonny he pulls you in close and hugs you and he passes you a puzzle box as his last sort of parting gift it it's eight it's like a eight-sided box and it's got all these different runes on it and and strange just kind of languages and, and texts, and there's slides each which way. And he says, I can't figure out how to open the damn thing, but I, I know that whatever's in there is exactly what you'll need when you need it, and you'll be able to open it one way or another. I'm sure of it. You're a smart fellow, Bradley. You have a good, rich boy education, so don't don't fret or nothing. Okay, okay pork chop? Okay. He wraps his arm around the back of your head and he pulls you in and kind of squeezes your head to his chest and just hugs you. And says, "I I've got a fondness for you, Bradley. You're real you're a real hero of the people, you know? You know that, right?" So, uh, yeah.
0: I do. I, I guess <laughs> It hasn't been feeling like it recently, but...
1: Yeah, well, you'll get your mojo back, baby. Just like Austin Powers did. Come on, you got this. He he leans away from you. Looks at you one last time, nods at you. He says, I, I believe in you, buddy. He claps his hands again. You are just as drunk as you once were. And oh, as, you shake, <laughs> as you shake your head... Yeah, getting hit with all this drunkenness all at once... Uh he's gone. Oh, fuck. I
0: definitely walk over to the marsh and just start vomiting in the water.
1: Uh, you see little uh weird little marsh fish swim over and start eating your vomit. They're very happy that you're feeding them. You vomit cool. for a good while. And then your eyes kind of raise up, and you're looking out at Idle Island once again. And you hear that eerie, similar voice whispers forwards and backwards, strange sounds coming to you, but it's calling to you. Sleep upon our shores once more. We long for your rest, Bradley Copper.
0: I mean, sleep does sound pretty good right now. Um, I think I'm going to walk over there. I have a ring of water walking. Perfect. You
1: walk... Uh, you start to walk off the dock. You hear some some giggling off to the side. You turn, there's a few teenagers. One of them says, I told you he was going to try and kill himself. And then um, <laughs> you step off onto the water, and as they see you're walking on water, the other teenager says, No, I told you he was the Messiah. <laughs> and uh, you just shake your head. <laughs> Ignore them both and make the short walk over to Idle Island. As you hit the islands, one thing you notice, it's much colder than it was last time you were here. It is the beginning of uh, the month Ukhtar, which is colloquially colloquially known as the Rotting. It's essentially um, November. Okay, And it's it's cold. The trees that were here before had some autumn leaves last time you were here. Not a leaf to be seen. They are all barren. Um, And you also remember that there are three idols on the island. They're all just kind of stone pillars that each kind of have a slant to them. Each one cut in a way that they would face one another. So if one's cut so that it's it's cut faces east back towards the shore and then one's cut south and one's cut north so it's like they're, they're all just like okay. slanted in that way and you yeah. see the one on the south has been cracked fully in half and is lying on the ground just broken
0: what in the fuck I want to go investigate that.
1: Yeah, go over there. Uh, go ahead and make me an investigation check.
0: All right. All right, Bradley. Don't disappoint
1: and me. And you're still drunk, so make it with disadvantage. Okay, cool. Uh,
0: So, well, I hope that's my lowest one. Nope, got a fucking natural one again.
1: You just start rubbing your hand on the rock, just feeling it, and then you kind of fixate on it it, (laughs) drunkenly, and next thing you know, you are slumped against it, asleep on Idle Island.
0: Okay. Cool.
1: You see an inky blackness in the night and you hear a voice. Where is your home? From the north, you hear the cold wind rush off the sea. From the south, you smell the scent of rotting flesh. You see yourself on a ship carving through ice. Then another ship echoes the rattles of chains. In a flash you see people pulled from their homes, screaming in agony. You feel the claws of the undead rake across your skin as you're surrounded by trees. In another instant you see three dragons. One is white, one is bronze, and one is green. Looming behind them all is a draconic claw, much larger than each of them. All of its flesh has faded away, and the bones that remain are reaching towards a new home. Hope you caught all that. You wake up. Okay. The sun hits your eyes. You have a serious pounding headache. Your head is, like, splitting. You see a ship is near Idle Island and there is someone approaching you. You look up and you see the familiar face of your cousin, Lock Dangerfield.
2: Are you fucking kidding me?
1: Modular is Jack Dean as Locke Dangerfield, Thorne George as Bradley Copper, and Luke Job as our DM. The story you heard today, as well as 99% of the characters, were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Sleeping Dragon's Wake. Holly Lyons is our fantastic editor. Bethany Gray does our gorgeous cover art. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to music. You can follow us on Twitter, at Mod the pod, join our private Facebook group at the Modular Podcast Fan Club, Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Modular Podcast. And subscribe to us on YouTube at The Modular Podcast. You can email us with any questions about our show at, mo- at modularofthepodcast at gmail.com. You should also join our Discord. Here's a quick shout out to at Print Miniatures, at 5 GMs Official at Session042043, at Traumapod and at Roll Britannia. All of these fabulous Twitter accounts follow us on Twitter. That's why, you know. We're shouting them out because they follow us, because they love us, because they hug us at night and give us little kisses. We love you guys. Thank you all for your follows. Thank you for your support. Whether this is your first episode listening, uh, whether this is your 131st episode listening, we appreciate you. You should go follow these folks. They're pretty cool. We follow them. So, I mean, come on. Remember that new episodes come out every Tuesday. And until then, thank you for listening to module